As we just told you, it's no driving gloves. You've just got Derek and John tonight. Uh, Will, I think, is on his vacation for Memorial. We do thank you for sharing. And again, uh, we'll, we'll just have the, all the details about our um, giveaway at the end of the episode, Gene. Derek, have you been doing anything exciting lately or busy or adventuresome or? Everything I do is exciting, John. Come on. Uh, I've kind of heard that before. <laughs> exactly. Like I say, I, I, you know, I've, I've been working on the Falcon a lot. Should be up and running here soon. Uh, once that's done, I'm going to move on to probably digging into the Peerless a little bit, have a little fun with that. So that's kind of what's going on, uh, the non-work side of life. Yeah, you know, the work side of life, a lot of exciting things going on. Always coming up with new exhibits to put on at the museum and uh, scheduling for the future, some exciting stuff. Started a, at least what I think is a, a pretty cool conservation project at work today. Can't really say anything about it on the podcast yet because we haven't announced it at work yet. So once uh, once we do the marketing and stuff with it at work, then I'll be able to talk about it on the podcast. But uh, really going to be cool because it's going to be a really a full preservation treatment, um, you know, conservation treatment on the vehicle and uh, really kind of show off how we can preserve an original car. Uh, in the museum collection that has a, a pretty cool history behind it. So I'm sure we'll, uh, John and I will we'll talk about that quite a bit on the show in the future. Oh, we don't have any clue about preservation here. All oh, restoration, street yeah. rods, hacking them up and turning them into something new with air conditioning. There's no other reason to have a car. How can you have a car without air conditioning? It's, start, it's late May in Alabama. It's a little bit warm and I have a black car with a black interior. <laughs> Roll down the window. Uh, I don't think that helps. I have air-conditioned seats, and it doesn't Or help. if you have, you know, if you have an early enough car, you could either just fold the window down or crank the window windshield. I'm talking about the windshield here. You could either fold it down or crank it open, or just open the cowl vent and get a nice, cool breeze coming in. You know, face. I know that's not even close to the topic that we're going to get to tonight, but do you know what I really miss? And I saw somewhere on Facebook... And they were identified incorrectly by a car guy. I miss vent windows. Vent windows. I love vent yeah. windows. They were great. I mean, they were even great with air conditioning. Uh, last car I think I had with them was my 90 Isuzu Pup. And I think by the time my ex-wife purchased her 94, actually I know by the time she purchased her 94 Isuzu Pup, uh, they had removed the vent windows. And those were just such a nice feature. You you know, crack them open. It would just help circulate some air a little bit better than the climate. I've got them on the uh, the the sixty one Ford Falcon. You know, you crank them open a little bit. It's good, but then I always like doing the the uh, you know method of flipping them all the way open past center so that the airflow directs right into your you know. I mean, right into where you're sitting. Yeah. So. It's just one of those things that have went by the wayside, and I really wish I remembered what site, because they're a car site. They should know what the heck these things are, and they had them named wrong and their purpose wrong, and it just kind of really frustrated me. But that's John, and everybody knows John seems to like to go on tirades and tantrums, hence the name of the podcast, No Driving Gloves, the gloves-off approach to the automotive hobby. You know what I also liked? My my '74 GTO had the uh, the kick panel vents where you could reach down and pull the knob 
and open up the vents and kick panels so you get that cool breeze coming up from oh the yeah legs. i mean there there was a time that mm-hmm. air conditioning wasn't you know really wasn't a necess- necessary in a car you know it's i guess maybe this could be a topic we wander to as opposed to where we were going is think hey, you know whatever. things that were on cars that aren't there today that they we might miss or maybe things we should add to cars i mean we got all this stupid technology you know, there's cer- cer- stupid thing or certain things, stupid, certain, whatever the difference is, things that we should add to cars, roll down windows and all that fun stuff. Uh, I'll quickly say that, no, I haven't done a damn thing, obviously, other than uh, surf Facebook for the last couple of weeks, just marketing the new business. And like I said, an episode or two ago, developing another one. And that's probably a mistake, but that's what's happening. Oh, God vent windows and say i even spray painted mine black left the oakley sticker on peeled the oakley off so i had oakley clear and the windows looked tinted me and yeah me and my minimum wage self (laughs) let me guess late 1980s early 1990s i'm still minimum wage now but yeah when i was doing that well i wasn't talking about the minimum wage i'm talking about the look of the painted windows with the oh yeah that definitely was that was back in the mini trucking days back when they were hot now, did you actually have a pair of Oakleys, or did you have the No, Oakleys? I always had Oakleys. I didn't even have sunglasses, so... Uh, I, say, poor, actually, poor white kid. all I've ever worn since 89 were Oakleys. Now, there's been periods that I haven't done sunglasses, but every pair of sunglasses I've owned since 89 was a pair of Oakleys up until my latest ones, which should be kicking around here somewhere. Uh, which are uh, Ray-Bans. Yeah, here they are. See, I know it doesn't help the uh, podcast listeners at home yet, but there we go. My Don Johnson Ray- Ray-Bans. Yeah, we were... Yeah, those are Don Johnson. If, if you, you, you all can't see him, but it, total Don Johnson right there. You know, there's a... It, we could go on all kinds of topics tonight because you bring up Don Johnson and uh, talk about an actor who's driven some cool cars. Don Johnson has had some cool freaking cars in a lot of the shows and movies he's been in. So, man, we're just all yeah, hell. Let's just let's just go wherever but, it goes because now you now you got me thinking about a yellow Cuda with a white interior. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what I was thinking of the yellow Cuda. Oh man, what am I, honestly not a big as I think everybody knows on this show, not a big Chrysler Dodge product fan, um, but. A 70-71 Hemi Cuda convertible, which I know are extremely rare. One of my, honestly, favorite muscle cars. Um, love the look of them. I love everything about them. I mean, he, Don Johnson nailed it with that car in, uh, oh gosh, uh-oh. I just had the name of the show and I was going to say it and it dropped. Um, Nash Bridges. Nash Bridges, yes. I used to watch that show religiously. My dad and I would sit down every every time it was you, on. You think it. about you talk about Don Johnson driving some cool cars. There he is driving the Hemi Cuda convertible when they started to become million, two million dollar cars. He was driving mm-hmm. the McBurney quote Ferrari Daytona on Miami Vice when they became million, two million dollar cars. It's uh he just kind of has a knack. I mean, yeah, granted, the white Testa Rosa isn't quite at a million bucks yet, but they're on the rise. 
You know, I mean, maybe maybe Don listens to the show, so I'm just going to throw it out. Um, You know, maybe whatever he does next, if he could drive a 61 Ford Falcon, knock that value up a little bit. Now, it's crossing my mind. Who has driven a Ford Falcon in a a show? Is there anybody that has done that, or is that something that I have to go to the master of the Googles to find out? It is. No, it is interesting you would bring this up, and I have to go to master of, of not Google, but this just came up in a Facebook conversation I was having the other day. That somebody was posted a picture of a car in a movie from the 1960s. Wanted to know what it was, couldn't figure out what it was. And, you know, I, I posted on there, well, number one, that it was a 1914, yeah, 1914 Renault. And, but I said, in my post, are you aware of the Internet Movie Car Date Cars database? Um, and I put a link up to it. And this is a if you're familiar with the IMDb Internet Movie Database, this is a database for cars that have been in movies. And some TV shows get listed on here. It's a fantastic place to start your research. It's it's kind of like saying, oh, you should use Wikipedia. Uh, because it is, you know, user entries, things like that. You can actually put stuff in. It's a fantastic place that if you had a question like that, what is a Ford Falcon appeared in? You can actually go to the Internet Movie Cars database, which I am on right now, and scroll through the Fords and go to all of the different Falcons that have been seen in movies or TV shows. And let me just tell you, John, Falcon has 2,120 entries next. Yeah, I was going to say, I was actually just going to the Internet Internet Car Movie Database as you were uh, discussing that. We'll throw the link out on uh, Facebook for for everyone if they haven't, and if they're not familiar with it. It's just a vast resource. And so what, in a quick glance, what do you think is the most famous movie that has your dear um, Ford Falcon in it? And... Uh, Let's uh, keep it U.S. really movies. Well, that's that's going to be tricky. There's 106 pages of it. Hang on. Ah, the 2004 version of The Bodyguard, which I believe was the Whitney Houston and... Um, Kevin and, Costner? Uh, Kevin Costner um, <laughs> movie. Uh, one also made an appearance in Renegade back in... Uh, the, well, that was the TV show, Renegade, 92 to 97. Oh, here we go. Probably one of the most famous kind of cult mo- uh, car movies that are out there. But there was a Ford Falcon in the Gumball Rally in 1976. I kept thinking, and it wouldn't necessarily be a 62 or kind of what you're even thinking of, but there had to be one in that... Um, now, I'm drawing the blank on the movie, 1980... Um, out of oil. Um, oh shoot, what movie is it? I want to say Mel Gibson. Um, they were all vigilantes in the type cars. Why can't I think of the road? Was it the Road Warrior? You know, Tina Turner was in a version of it. Mm. There has to be a Falcon in that. Yeah, you're, I'm, you're losing me on that one. Yeah, the Road Warrior. Yep, uh, 1981. Mad Max. Oh, Mad Max. That had to be a later square body well, Falcon. There's a 71 Chrysler by Chrysler listed. <laughs> well, that's just a shame. Ford Custom Lines, Sandrail. 
Aston 460F. There it is, 72 Ford Falcon, 74 Ford Fairlane, 73 Falcon. So there were a few, but obviously not the 62. But there everybody goes. That's how handy that little database is. Maybe Derek shouldn't have given that secret out. Made us look smarter than we are. I'm a curator and a researcher, and I work for educational institutions. That's what I do. I share information. I'm a consultant. I hide the information sources and charge you to get it. And that's why you have more money than I do. (laughs) I'm not sure. You got the new pickup. And that's why Will has more money than we do. He's not here to defend himself. Will does have more money than both of us. He's got a pool. (laughs) That's true. That's true. And buying the pool... And filling the pool aren't the hard parts of owning a pool. Homeowner's insurance and maintaining it, those are the hard parts of owning a pool. Kind of kind of like an automobile. It's, it's not that hard to buy one and fill it with gas and oil and water, but, you know, the maintaining it in, and insuring it is is the, the, the expensive part. And so. when you get tired of it, you just let the water go out and you just push, you leave it in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forget about it, and eventually you got to go clean all the snakes out of it and the mud off of it, and you can use it again. A little bit of Bondo and crack repairs. There's the no driving gloves pool ownership tips for the week. Yes, yeah, that was the home repair segment. Yes. Well, speaking of that, another guy, uh, Tim Allen. He's had some pretty decent cars out there. If We're still bouncing around a little bit of these TV cars. You know, it always drove me crazy on home improvement. I always wanted to see the cars they were building in the garage. And every now and then he'd bring a car into it. I mean, his uh, newer show, with the, with the hunting lodge, whatever it is, you get to see his cool cars in there a little bit more. His, you know, green 54, 55 Ford pickup. I mean, I haven't seen it enough to know what it is. But we get to see his cars a little bit more in the newer show. But Tim's a nice, decent car guy. Not the um, Nash Bridges, Don Johnson dude for uh, legendary cars. True, true. And I mean, Tim, uh, you know, Tim Allen's uh, originally from Michigan, actually still lives in Michigan. And uh, I think most of his collections there in Michigan. So, you know, always, always gets a little props from another Michigan guy. So, uh, you know, hopefully if Tim's listening, he hears that too. I, I think so. he's got uh, a good section of his cars or a good portion of his collection in California because in listening to, Adam Carolla, they did a charity auction, and Leno auctioned off two or three tours of his place, and then they auctioned off two or three tours of Tim Allen's collection, and then a couple of tours of Carolla's collection. All are stunning car collections. I really got to listen to the Howard Stern episode that was uh, sometime this week that Zara was telling me about. I'm not a big Howard fan. But I guess uh, Adam was on there discussing podcasting because he's kind of king of podcasting and his car collections and the things he's about kind of drifted there. But yeah. And then, of course, uh, I think Adam suggested they auction off a group tour and Leno said, now that uh, we've already done too many. So but I think everybody's got their little bitty car collections out there. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that the guy that was on the man show with girls on trampolines kind of has a legendary car collection that, you know, collecting yeah. Nissans and he's got some pretty, de- you know, decent cars uh, all the way up to that Newman 935 from the 78 or 79 uh, Daytona or uh, Daytona 24 hour, not, excuse 
let me get the right race. 24 hours of Le Mans. It's uh, just an impressive car, and I still have a hard time ramping around it. King of podcasting, and he's got a 4.2 or $4.3 million car in his garage and collects Lamborghini Miras, having two or three of those. And There's some money in Hollywood, believe me, people, and one of these days that acting will come through. We're actually trying a new software tonight that hopefully in the next month they'll introduce the video portion and we'll be able to live stream the podcast during our recording. <laughs> let me. Oh, that's going to get interesting. I was going to say, let me tell Derek, hey, this new software we're trying tonight <laughs> it may allow us to live stream. Yeah. Well, the good thing is the camera only gets me from about the uh, the chest up. So, um, you know, I still, all I have to do is throw on a dress shirt and then I'll. I'll look okay. Now, I'm right up here on my microphone, so you can't see me, and I'll probably have to get us microphone flags that say no driving gloves so that it'll even block my gorgeous face and my long locks even more. But you'll be able to see, as Wilkes critiqued me before, with my animated hand motion and speaking with my eyes closed because I get passionate. I, I do the same thing a lot of times. I, when I really get into a deep thought and, you know, eyes are closed, I'm I'm... I've got Italian in me, like John. Hands start flying. It's going to get dangerous. I'm going to throw out a movie for everyone, and it's not the movie you're thinking, but it's the movie you need to go see. Um, 1955, I believe it was, there was a movie called Fast and the Furious, and it's not our uh, current one with the, we're in the, what, at the eighth or ninth movie, this movie was actually, to me, it was interesting. Oh, I need to look up what, what year it actually came up or came out. But it was filmed like when during the first first or second or third year of the Pebble Beach Concours. I, saying, I think it would have been 54, because I think Pebble started in 50. They didn't do 51, and then they did 52, 50. They skipped a year. And that's why Old Car Festival is the oldest long, or Oldest running antique car show in the yep. The uh, Fast and Furious. Fa it was the Fast and the Furious, uh, released February 15th, 1955. A framed man, John Ireland, takes a rich woman, Dorothy Malone's Jaguar, and with her in it, enters a road race that ends in Mexico. And basically the road race is your Monterey historics when the historics were... Not historic. It's kind of cool. Lots and lots of vintage, what we consider vintage and classics. And to be honest, the things that are winning Pebble now in definitely the sports car class weren't even built when this movie came out because we're getting 57 and 59 Ferraris winning those classes. And this movie's 55. It's just a neat look back at that era. Um, really a fun movie to watch. And a pretty decent uh, storyline for a 1955 car flick. Uh, definitely better than some of the... I want to do you one better on a movie that has been remade, and in my opinion, horribly remade, from the original. And that is in 1974, if I recall correctly. I'm going to double-check myself real quick. Yes, 1974, the original Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, that one could have told you. Fantastic car movie. Knew exactly what you were talking about. Got all the DVDs. Uh, 
I have that, and I have the other one. What was the other movie that is? I want to say Haskell, but it's Hasky, Hasky, uh, Haliki. Yeah. Because are you talking about H.B. Haliki? Uh, yeah, I believe that's or Haleki. I don't remember how they how it's pronounced. It's either Haleki or Haleki. Um, I, yeah, you know, I, I, he did another movie and I, I can't remember the name of it either. I've got the DVD laying it. Well, it's probably still in a box. I just got out my, D, uh, it only cost a million dollars to make that movie in 1974 and it's grossed 40. That's really not too bad. The fantastic thing about that is, of course, the original Eleanor, the, the Mustang in that movie is called Eleanor as well. Um, it's a 70... One, Mach 1, if I recall correctly. That's definitely sound correct. And, of course, in uh, that 74 movie with the jump is where Halecki injured his back. Um, and uh, the junk man, that was, that was mm-hmm. the follow-up he, well, in uh, 82. The junk man, yep. And, uh, but the, the 71 Mustang that was the original Eleanor, and it may not have been a Mach 1. It might have just, it was just a 71 Mustang, yep. The car still exists in the finished movie conditions. Yet still, at least as last time, still in that condition. And that was there's a fan, there's a whole lot of fantastic information behind the cars in that movie. Um, you know, Halicki himself. I mean, it just kind of like the original Fast and Furious. It's really a, a a truly a car movie rather than a blockbuster to make millions of dollars in this modern day of movie making. Well, there we go. Let's uh, go ahead and um, I think uh, Nicolas Cage is looking for a couple of bucks. We're more than eight years beyond, I think, what, Gone in 60 Seconds. The remake was 2000. So here we are in 2019. Let's uh, get Nicolas Cage and remake The Junk Man now. There we go. There we go. I mean, or, you know, he could, maybe he could get together with a musician and, uh, you know, remake Tulane Blacktop. We thinking Billy Gibbons in that role? Well, I mean, you got to find somebody, yeah, it's, that's going to be hard. Billy Gibbons would be good. They could just drive Eliminator across the country. Well, Billy's got some pretty kick-ass cars, I think, when you really get into his uh, his collection and drive Cadzilla across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to update it just a little bit. Movie stars and musicians. Uh, basically, what we're saying is we all went into the wrong career field to have amazing car collections. Yes. I was trying to think. Uh, no, some There was that attorney in Texas who ironically got killed in a car crash. Who had mm, a, killed in a car accident. Uh, had a pretty decent collection. But, yeah, I think that there is that guy he used to. Uh, he does stand up in Vegas now. He's got a pretty decent car collection. Um, wow, there's there's like 500 stand-up comedians in Vegas. Come on. Yeah. Are you talking about the ventrilo- ventriloquist guy? Because he's, he's got a car collection. Uh, I really like uh, Jeff Dunham's car collection. It's, I'd lo- yeah, I'd okay. love to figure out how to get him on the podcast to chat a bit. Um, he's kind of famous in some of the uh, car circles that I play with on Facebook. Uh the Bradley GT group because he has three or four Bradley GTs and he's kind of into his uh, vintage vintage Volkswagens and he likes the color purple because he has a um, paint to sample purple Viper and uh, ironically 
he got his 2000, um, I think he ended up with a 2018 or 19, I guess it's 19 is what the second run of Ford GTs were, paint to sample to match his Viper. So ironically, he got his Ford GT to match his Chrysler Viper. I just found that one interesting. Oh, Lord. But, hey, he, he, plays with, he plays with puppets. You know, I was kind of alluding to the uh, the. I, I was gonna I was gonna take that somewhere, but it's a family friendly show, so. <laughs> I thought you were gonna take it to the the comedian everybody knows. You know, Mr. Jay Leno and his 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 fascinating toy collection, but I think he gets talked to death. So let's just, let's just gloss over Jay for once. Maybe we make him mad. He's not gonna come on. Yeah, exactly. He's not that's, gonna come on gonna the podcast if we're nice to him. But uh, what? Exactly. I mean, you know, he's, you know, I was avoid it and he'll want to be. I was listening to a podcast. Oh, it was. (laughs) This is going to sound bad. I actually was on this podcast in about the sixth or eighth episode. um, And I can't remember it. It's uh, Rob Conrad's um, collecting. Yeah, Rob Conrad collecting cars. In one of the previous episodes, actually, another guy in Birmingham, Rob's a radio DJ in Birmingham, is doing a podcast now, and he was interviewing this uh, other local collector, and they were talking about when Jay did an appearance here and how they sent a Ferrari to pick up Jay Leno, and Jay doesn't exactly have a um, hankering for Ferraris, I guess we'll say. We'll get it a little bit southern there. Uh, was the really, I think he told, because I happen to know the guy who picked him up, um, I think Jay was saying, or uh, it was one of the first times Jay had ever been in a Ferrari, and it was the first time he ever had uh, rode in, or that model of a Ferrari, and just one of those, I don't know, tie-back things. But Dramatic pause while we move on to our next, and and... I keep sitting here thinking, you know, Derek started off with this uh, Don Johnson and going down the Don Johnson trail, and I'm at a loss to really figure out the next guy. Uh, You know, Don Don hit it big with two and a half cars and two TV series. Um, For some reason, Matt Houston pops into mind. It used to be a show. I can't remember if it was called Matt Houston or Houston, and he was some sort of private investigator with his own helicopter and drove an Excalibur. Um, but me and me and my fetish for neoclassics. You're, you're probably missing the greatest. Okay, Don Johnson, epic, epic with Miami Vice and uh, Nash Bridges. But you're you're probably missing the most well-known, most famed private investigator to drive a car that became a you know cultural icon i know where you're going and i don't want to say it because i might disagree with you but the show was revolution where, where am i going where am i going bring it on i'm gonna let you go because uh if you're not talking about the show I am, I've got a whole thing to expound upon. And if it is the show you're talking about, I'm going to let you go and see if you hit on the key points that I want to talk about. 
Well, I'm talking about the only the only legend out there, the man with the mustache, Tom Selleck, Magnum P.I. Yep, that's the show I was thinking you were discussing. I mean, how much more iconic can you get than Magnum P.I., Tom Selleck, the Ferrari? And I mean, the, the, the thing about that show was, uh, you know, not just the fact that, I mean, Tom Selleck was already somewhat well-known. That show kind of made him legendary in the acting world i think part of the 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 what's the word i'm looking for here um comedic uh, light-heartedness of that show was putting tom Selleck in a ferrari and him looking over the windshield practically to be able to drive you say something about that and i might go ahead and say you could say the hoff was probably just about as oh, influential oh, on yeah. a car as Tom was. And, you know, we're talking uh, Michael Knight and Kit. But the funny, the bit of trivia I love about Magnum P.I. is he wasn't supposed to have ever even had a Ferrari 308. You know, he was, for those listeners that don't know, and I don't know if Derek doesn't know, uh, he was supposed to have a Porsche 928. You know, the iconic car from... Um, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, risky business and Tom Cruise. They wanted to cut the roof off and do one of the kind of ASC convertible hacks to the 928 so that they could have better camera angles of Tom Selleck. And Porsche said, no, you cannot do that. And that's why they chose the Ferrari is because it was exotic and an open topped car at that point. And they could do some of those shots with Tom Selleck. But, yes, his head sticking up above the windshield. Eh. And I, I try to watch the new Magnum, and I don't think the the 488 is nearly the potential iconic car that the 308 was. And maybe it's me, and maybe there's kids out there watching. But uh, Yeah, it's a generational thing. I mean, those kids are going to grow up with that show. And that's going to be an iconic car uh, to them. I mean, now that we're on this topic, I mean, we're all over the place tonight. But, you know, you bring up the Hoff, uh, Knight Rider, and Kit. You know, there's so many. You start thinking about it. There's a lot of shows out there that I think the car might not have always played, or the vehicle, I'm going to say, may not have always played a very central role but sometimes led it to becoming an iconic vehicle uh, kind of subconsciously. And, and the one I'm thinking about, and oddly, we started this show off early on with a Chrysler product that I actually like the looks of and you know, would, would own one if, if I ever you know, become wealthy from podcasting and acting and we get the video going. But Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger, and the Dodge Ram. That show, I love that body style of Dodge Ram, and it's probably because of that show, because, again, that's one of those shows that my my dad and I sat down and watched, uh, uh, you know, on whatever night it was on. It was just cool to see him, you know, driving that Dodge Ram around Texas, you know, doing those, you know, somewhat, you know, when there were driving scenes with the high speed driving the truck and all that, which I'm sure somebody else might have been doing. I don't know if Chuck Norris is a high speed driving, you know, stunt guy, but that truck, at least in my mind, 
became a truck that I really liked. And it, it was part of that was probably because of that show. Now, I'll be honest. I have never watched one minute of Chuck you know, Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, I'm going to throw out that because of my family, my dad had an 80 Dodge in that kind of body style. And late in high school, I almost bought an 86 or 87 um, Dodge. That's the body style before the one he drove. He drove the the one that was introduced in 94 oh. and a half with the dropped front fenders. Well, then I lie. I don't know the truck. I know the one mm-hmm. you're talking about in 94. Uh, I've owned one. My dad's owned. Actually, I've owned two. My dad's owned one or two. Uh, two, I think. I think he still has one. I think he still has his 94 or 3500 box truck. Now I know what you're talking about. But another one that I, I can throw out there that I don't think the truck was ever designed to be part of the show, but we all, you will never think of Lee Majors and the Fall Guy without his two-tone four-wheel drive C10. You've got, you know, and you're right. I mean, one of the things also on Magnum PI is it's not the first, but it's one of the first product-type placements for an automobile in TV. It started to get automobile product placements Top with the movie, uh, drawing a blank on it for the second time. Risky Business is another one of those. And then we get into Knight Rider. There's a story that they wanted the Pontiac Trans Am and approached General Motors. And actually, the president of Pontiac said, No, we're not going to do this after reading the script and thought it was a pretty stupid thing. But one of the sales directors in Pontiac thought it was a great idea and managed to smuggle a couple of cars to NBC. The show launched and then all of a sudden they needed more cars and the cars were selling so well because of Knight Rider, there were no Pontiac Trans Ams available for the show. And legend has it, whether or not it's true or not, a train crashed carrying a load of Firebirds and somehow NBC heard about it and their people got on the phone with their salespeople, and a whole train car of Pontiac Trans Ams, kind of, and Firebirds, actually, it was a mix, came up mix missing, and those were all the cars they used for every season of, of the show. You know, there were some that were damaged and that, so they were only shot from certain angles. Um, but I can't remember if it's the hero car or the jump car. Or one of the cars actually survived the entire series and is still around. Is They had a very limited number of cars they could use. And even with all the crashes and things they did, unlike Dukes of Hazard, which totals eight chargers a week or something, uh, Knight Rider made it through with very few cars. You know, and that's a, a, an interesting thing to bring up uh, from the collecting world standpoint. If if you're into that collecting mode and, and that level of collecting, I guess you should say, you know, there, as we're covering, there's a lot of these vehicles that have been out there in TV shows and movies and all these things. And a lot of times these cars come up for a sale as, you know, oh, this is the car from the movie or this is the car from the TV show. Well, you know, number one, definitely do your research because as, you know, John just discussed is, you know, and, and you can list a number of shows that did this. They had multiple vehicles. So 
they might say it's the vehicle for, but there could be three others, the vehicles from the show, because, you know, there were so many of them for, for some of these stunts and things they were doing that you kind of have to be careful. And there's a lot of them that have been recreated or replicas created and some sometimes fake paperwork to make it look like they were the car. So, you know, just, just something to keep in mind if you're ever thinking about, you know, buying and collecting a car that has been, you know, a movie car or a TV show car, which makes me think after this episode, I'm going to find out what happened to the the t- truck from Walker, Texas Ranger. I might need that. Uh, and you're exactly right. And it, we're going to jump back to my kit car uh, fetish. I don't know how many of you remember. It was only on for a few seasons. Uh, Hardcastle and McCormick and the Cody Coyote in that show. Various versions of that McLaren pop up for sale all the time and people make comparisons to it. And then there's always a discussion about the Cody Coyote and somebody posts a picture of one and they can sit there and tell you, oh, that was such and such a season and that we use this chassis and that was the jump car or this because um, the guy that played Hardcastle got tired of jumping into the car by season two or season three. They made the doors open so it was easier for him to get in and out. And all the interior shots are of the executive producer's Ferrari at the time and not the the car itself is a very stripped-out car. And it's just weird how much knowledge there is. And we're just talking one show, one little car. And... I think if you get into you get into Dukes of Hazard, they'll tell you. And there was a Charger I know used the the first General Lee appeared in like the third or fourth episode, and it was painted all black. And I you know I think they did something with it. And you know they these cars reappeared and were mended. And it's be sure to have the car checked out if you're really buying a TV car. I'm going to throw one out. If you want to see a lot of TV cars, and it's it's a cool place, I kind of cringe at the term automotive museum because there are some questionable automotive museums. But the Volo Auto Museum just outside of Chicago is a really cool museum. They have a lot of TV cars there, and they're available for sale, and you can pick them up. And... It's kind of, you know, it's really a antique mall, museum, things like that. But it's a, a cool, it's a cool place to stop and go and kind of hang on and do things like that. You know, I'm, I'm just throwing the uh, Volo Auto Museum out there for everybody. You know, the other thing I wanted to bring up, and, and John, you mentioned Volo. And then there's also, um, although it's kind of tourist trappy, there is a, a, a museum. And Volo's not tourist trappy? <laughs> well, okay, they're, they're a little, but I'm thinking of the one in Gatlinburg. There's some movie cars there. I don't remember the name of it. Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Can't remember the name of, of the place, but yeah, there, there's some there. Uh, I think they have one of the Ghostbuster station wagons. I don't know if it's the real one or not. I, I think they pride themselves on most of the cars being original movie cars and, and Hollywood cars. But what I wanted to, what I was going for (laughs) there was, it's also interesting when you really get into this, John was talking about, you know, 
people know, oh, you know, it's this, this episode was this card because this, this, this. You also have to go back and kind of track these cards down because you got to understand the, the, the movie companies, you know, MGM, um, uh, I don't remember names of big movie producing companies out there, uh, yeah, Warner Brothers, whatever, whoever they are. They get these cars uh, basically loaned to them oftentimes, or uh, they have basically contracting companies that provide vehicles to movies. A lot of times, some of these cars will appear in multiple movies, um, you know, because, oh, we just, we need a, you know, 1957 Thunderbird to be rolling through this movie. Okay, well, here, here's one. And yeah, it happened to be used in three other movies last year. But I brought up Tulane Blacktop earlier. I'm trying to remember which year which was filmed, but I'm 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 I don't I'm, I might get this backwards. I'll just say both ways. You know this this could be a vice versa situation. The car it's a 55 Chevy two door sedan if I recall correctly. I'm doing this from memory. I'm not Google searching, but I, I believe it's a 55. I know it's 55 Chevy that's in two Tulane Blacktop. Kind of built up as a gasser-looking uh, car in two-lane blacktop. From all of the research I've done on the car and, and kind of talking to people and, and looking some things up, it is pretty strongly believed that that is actually the same exact 55 Chevy that was in American Graffiti that raced the Milner Coupe, the black 55 Chevy. Um, they just basically converted it over again vice versa uh whichever way they did it um and and made it look like you know a gasser in one movie made it look like a you know kind of a sleeper drag car in you know american graffiti so you know there's also times where you've got cars that could have been used in multiple movies and multiple configurations and you know they might be winding up being sold as whatever they last were but if you do the research you might find out that this car has been in two or three movies definitely buyer beware on that situation. well and should we even bring up the fact i guess i'm going to so i don't know why i'm asking that question that some movie cars aren't really what they say they are most famously uh, everybody's pretty familiar with ferris bueller's day off bueller bueller Anybody? Bueller? Never seen. Never seen it. You've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I hope you're being sarcastic. No. What's oh, What's God. this about? So anyway, seeing it's a another cult classic, and everyone has seen it except for John. Now there is a. You're talking about Cameron's dad. There car. is a air quote Ferrari in that movie. Uh, that is not a Ferrari. <laughs> I guess that's where I was supposed to come back with. You're kidding. It's not a real Ferrari. Yeah, could you actually edit, uh, you know, a, a really shocked reaction in there? Like, what? <gasps> it's not really a Ferrari. But it is something else to point out that, you know, sometimes when you're watching these movies, uh, TV shows, things like that, they, they're not they're not really what, you know, for movie, for TV, they, they kind of look right. And, and if they're going fast enough or the clip is quick enough, you don't notice it. But, you know, they're they're not really... A Ferrari or really a, you know, whatever. Believe it or not, Hollywood fakes some things. I'm on a Facebook group 
called Radwood, and we've talked about Radwood in earlier episodes, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in the future. Two or three weeks ago, Zara and I are big train people. We really enjoy trains and things like that. But there was a, a set photo from Back to the Future 3, which if you remember, that's back in the 1800s and, you know, the it was part part of it was done on a train track and they have this set photo and everything's done in miniature it's like fifth scale train fifth scale time delorean time machine and it just blows your whole mind that that scene wasn't full size and it was done as models and you've got to take that into consider consideration or discussion and there's another movie car i was talking to Cody Coyote the Back to the Future experts and the time travel experts know not only what movie, what minute mark, what DeLorean was used in and what it has to be. And these people that build these recreation time machine DeLoreans, they don't build the, I'm building the Back to the Future time machine. I'm building the end of Back to the Future 1 with the whatever food processor energy source, or I'm building the 1885 or 1855 DeLorean time machine at minute mark 1733. It's, it's just kind of, kind of wild how some people obsess over cars. You know, you'd think they'd sit around and talk about them for an hour. Or yeah. Week, I mean, it might get to you know, hundred weeks get straight to the point where they like do some kind of weird thing over the, you know, internet that they put out and just, I don't even know what you'd call that. I don't know. Internet casting? I don't know. I think with that, because I think Derek and I can go on and on about movie cars, and it had no way to do with the topic we were going to talk ooh, about. I, I got to add, I got to add my favorite. Oh, God, I have too many of them. Crap. I was going to say my favorite. My, okay, two of my favorite movie cars. Can I do that real quick, John? Well, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Chitty, and Chitty, the Bang, uh, Beverly Hill. Hate it. Despised it. Hate it. <laughs> at, at, and Her- Herbie the oh, Love Bug? God, don't even get me started. Can I talk about some actual, <laughs> like, really good cars? Well, the Beverly Hillbilly's got it one far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'll be quiet. I-, I think everybody knows, or at least some of our listeners know, that I've probably mentioned Nash Healy's on the show way too many times, but big fan of a Nash Healy. I'm also a, a huge fan, Audrey Hepburn, but the movie Sabrina, which was her kind of big breakout movie. I I think it was actually the first one where she played a leading role, if I remember correctly. There is a Nash Healy in that movie. I love that movie. I love Audrey Hepburn, beautiful woman, amazing actress. And then to see a Nash Healy pick her up, I was just like, oh, God, oh, I love that. Uh, and, And the cool thing is you can actually still see that car Uh, It actually happens to be in the collections of the Peterson Museum in Los Angeles. I've been able to see the car. Fortunately, I know some folks at the Peterson. I've been able to get up uh, up close to the car. They didn't let me sit in it, though. I was I was hoping to get that, but I didn't didn't get that. So one of one of my all time favorite cars. And the other one is is probably a more obscure uh, movie car. But I, I want everybody listening to look the movie up. I'm I'm a fan of old movies. Uh, I love sitting around watching old black and white movies, you know, silent films as well as talkies and, and all of that. I'm, I'm, I'm an odd guy. Uh, but there was a movie called Topper. And John, I don't know if you've ever heard of Topper. 
Um, yes, I have. I cannot, I don't think, I, that one I honestly have never seen. Okay. That It's, I know it's a Cary Grant movie. I'm um, a huge Cary Grant fan. Um, uh, another mind-blowing actor. Uh, of course, famous for North by Northwest, uh, one of his most famous films. And, uh, but Topper has a really cool customized, um, oh, shoot. Was it a Buick? Well, now I don't remember what it was customized on. An absolutely beautiful, beautiful automobile. Unfortunately, after the the movie Topper, of course, as I've said, the the cars have other lives at the time, and it was actually converted into. You can still kind of see the Topper car in it, but um, Gilmore Oil actually converted the car into a a kind of a product car for Gilmore Oil, and uh, it still exists in that configuration today. Uh, at least last I checked. So those are those are really two of my favorite movie cars of all time, um, which is of course the Nash Healy and that the car from Topper. If I could if I could have that car uh, as it appeared in Topper, uh, I I'd, I'd probably sell every other car I own. You guys make me envious almost every week because you can narrow it down to what is your favorite movie car or what is your favorite and what car would you buy? And I never can do that. That, you know, I buy cars every year and that's because of that indecisiveness and I can't make up my dang mind because as you're talking, I go, okay, do I cop, copy him and caption what movie car I want? And I don't know the PPG prototype from the Wraith, the, the Lamborghini from Cannonball Run, preferably with the drivers. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Well, that's just because, you know, you, you're not a true car guy, John. No. So I, I, I had to cheat because I, I had to, re, I, I, I had to remind myself what it was. Uh, and it is, it's a 36, the topper car is a 36 Buick Roadmaster uh, chassis, but it's coach built by Bowman and Schwartz. So you can imagine the beauty of that car. I can see where you're going there. Early coach built cars, you know, I, I wouldn't like those. Nah, no, not a not a chance. Far as far from your wheelhouse is uh well, we'll leave it at that. As we uh, started in the last episode, we're doing a kind of a listener appreciation. Let's get a few more listeners. Let's get a little bit more social media activity. If you listeners out there, you share out your favorite episode of No Driving Gloves on your social media and tag us. And every week when we record, we're going to choose a winner and send out a $30 gift card for every weekly winner up until episode 100. And then episode 100, we're going to choose and somebody's going to win an additional $100 gift card. All for Amazon.com. We're just throwing this out there. Share out your episodes. Uh, we'll get the name, you know, we'll start releasing some winners' names. Every time you share an episode on your social media and hashtag us, it's an entry. It's not one entry a week. It's share out all 100 of our shows to your friends. That's fine. Or all 90 of our shows to mm -hmm. your friends. And just tag us and uh, we'll start seeing who wins. We've decided to kind of keep all the winners secret to the very end. And we'll do that in episode 100. We'll announce the various $30 gift card winners over the weeks and the single $100 winner. But with that, we're out of here. Thanks a lot. See you guys later.